0: Hey friend, and welcome to episode 101 of It's About Time, a podcast about work, life, and balance. I'm your host, time management coach, Anna Dearman-Kornick, and today's episode is all about a little less talk and a lot more listening. (laughs) Yes, listening. So often when we think about communication, we just think about the talking part. How can I be a better speaker? How can I get my point across? How can I persuade someone to get on my side? How can I speak in a way that people can understand me? And while the talking point is obviously pretty important, I mean, communication is critical to making the most of our time because of communicating our expectations, giving clear instructions and more, but it's the flip side, the listening part that must be mastered in order to become an effective communicator. In this week's episode, I did a lot of listening to my guest, Dr. Melissa Thompson, a communication expert, and that listening was with good reason. She had so many amazing actionable tips for not just being a great conversationalist or a great listener, just just wait till you hear about her morning routine and how she organizes her days. But first, let me tell you all about melissa thompson dr melissa thompson is a consultant and coach at success labs with experience in interpersonal communication public speaking and talent development she works with individuals and companies to grow leaders build teams and drive results through great people strategy In addition to her role at Success Labs, she also serves as an organizer and speaker coach for TEDx LSU since its inception in 2012, and she's an adjunct faculty member in the LSU EJ Orso College of Business. She holds a BA in Communication Studies from LSU and a Master's and PhD in Communication Theory from the University of Memphis. Melissa is a sustaining member of the Junior League of Baton Rouge, and serves in both local and national volunteer roles for Delta Gamma. In today's conversation with Melissa, she shares how Go Clean Co. inspired her super efficient morning routine. You'll hear her share how she makes time to volunteer in the community, teach a college course, and work her full-time job as a coach and consultant. She'll tell us what it really means to be a good listener, plus how to be a better active listener. And finally, you'll hear how to balance being an efficient communicator that gets things done with cultivating authentic connection through intentional conversation. As usual, you know you can find all the details for this episode in the show notes at abouttimepodcast.com forward slash 101, including links to the apps Melissa uses to outsource and free up more time to do what matters most to her. And finally, I want to thank you again for tuning in and being a fan. And if you haven't yet, I invite you to click that subscribe button to be notified as soon as new episodes go live. And if you like what you hear, I'd be so grateful for your review. Your reviews play a huge role in helping others find It's About Time in the search results. And you might just get a shout out in a future episode. All right. And with that, it's about time we get started. So let's get this show on the road.
1: If you're ready to step away from the overwhelm and spend your time on what matters most, then you're in the right place. Here's your host, time management coach, Anna Dearman Cornick.
0: Hey, Melissa, and welcome to It's About Time. I am so, so excited to have you on the show today. How are you doing? I'm doing great. Thank you so much for having me. I'm happy to be here. Oh my goodness, of course. You have been on my list to reach out to for quite a while now. I'll admit that. It's been it's been several months since I've had the capacity in my schedule to do interviews, but I knew that as soon as I was able to open them back up that you had to be one of the first few. Well,
2: thank you. That's very kind of you to say, but I have been fangirling over you and your (laughs) podcast for a long time now. So I feel very honored to be here.
0: Oh my goodness. Well, I'm honored that you are here. So I shared with everyone sort of the official Melissa Thompson bio before we hit record, but I would love to hear from you in your own words, how you spend your time. Yeah,
2: so I am a consultant and coach at Success Labs, which is a Baton Rouge-based consulting firm where we help organizations and individuals grow and become better leaders and better organizations. And that's what I do in my day job. I have a couple of side jobs and an evening job. I serve as a faculty member, adjunct faculty member at LSU in the College of Business And I teach a professional development course. So a lot of the stuff that I do in my day job, I do for college students. And I also volunteer in a couple of organizations and serve as an organizer and speaker coach for the local TEDx event. So it's TEDx LSU.
0: Oh, tell me a little bit more about your volunteer involvement. Because so you've got your day job and you're an adjunct professor at LSU and you volunteer. Tell me what your volunteer involvement looks like. Yeah. So I
2: am a uh, sustainer in the junior league of Baton Rouge. So I don't do as much anymore for that organization, but I'm still involved. And then I also am very involved in my sorority Delta Gamma. So I serve as an advisor to the collegiate chapter in Baton Rouge, and I have served in various roles through the alumni association here. And then I have a national position. I'm director of lifetime engagement. That term started this summer. So I get to hang out with all kinds of amazing women all over the country and and figure out how to keep them involved in the organization and provide them the resources that they need from a membership organization.
0: Oh, that sounds like so much fun. So what is your, I want to dig a little deeper to know what this looks like, because I think a lot of times we hear sorority, we're sorority advisor. So what exactly, what form does that take? Are you talking with the girls on a regular basis? Do you go to meetings? Just what does that look like?
2: Yes. So right now we are in the middle of sorority recruitment at (laughs) LSU. So that looks like helping the women who are speaking during the different events. I coach them. Sometimes I am helping put together flower arrangements because I have that unique skill set. I worked at a flower shop through high school and college. Oh, how fun. It's it's a very underrated transferable skill that I had no idea I would use so much as an adult. And then I do help with a couple of things throughout the school year. Some professional development talks. Sometimes I'm called in to do a you know if there's a career night, speaking at that, helping advise if they if they've got an event that's coming up. I try to help out where I can, just because I know that was such a fundamental experience for me to Delta Gamma help shape who I am today and the way that I'm able to impact my community. So I want to give back in that way to the local chapter
0: now. That's wonderful. I think that is such a misconception about Greek life is that it's all about the social aspect, but you and I both were at LSU at the same time, and we can definitely speak to the fact that, there's, that so much of it is about developing you for the future. Absolutely. So there, I would say it's a third, a third, a third. So
2: we did have a good time. It was a very social organization where we got to bond with women, like-minded women. And that was wonderful. But the other third of it, we did so much philanthropy work Mm -hmm. in the community that that's where I really developed my love for giving back to my community. And then the last third is the leadership development. There are so many things that I think as an adult that I'm asked to do in my volunteer roles where I just already know how to do it mm-hmm. because I learned how to do it as an 18 year old with the help of advisors who came before me. And it, it's funny to me now to think back and it's like, yeah, I can, I can balance a budget of an entire organization or uh, plan an event for a thousand people. Yeah, that's not even that big of a deal.
0: <laughs> yeah, been there, done that, yeah. literally yeah. bought the t-shirt.
2: Literally bought the T-shirt. Still have the (laughs) T-shirt.
0: Exactly. Still have the T-shirt. So leadership development, professional development, that's a huge part of the way that you serve. Now, you mentioned that you also teach a leadership development class at LSU in the College of Business. Uh, Tell me more about that. Like, what exactly are you teaching? Tell me about the students. That just sounds fascinating.
2: Yeah, it's one of my favorite things that I do. And the fact that we are this semester back in person, I was like a kid the night before Christmas. I was so giddy (laughs) to get back in to the classroom and be around them. But it's a course that we developed probably five or six years ago now where we realized that the students on LSU's campus are so well-trained to do the thing. So like to do accounting or to do finance or whatever it is, but they were having a hard time articulating who they are and what impact they can make for a company without some they needed a little bit more professional development. Mm-hmm. And so we developed this course. It's a business communication and professional development hybrid course. It's a general business class. So we do a lot of, well, the first, the first night, what I do is from the very beginning, I try to get them talking and as comfortable and open to being vulnerable as humanly possible. Mm -hmm. And the more that they can feel comfortable talking in front of strangers, the easier their transition will be to their full-time career. And then we start to open up a little bit more. We use Emergenetics to learn about our communication and behavior preference. I have an expert coach come in and teach them all about Emergenetics. And then we do things like elevator pitches and resume building and one of their required assignments is to go to the career fair and meet strangers and talk about themselves. And so, and we build LinkedIn profiles, cover letters. They have weekly reflections that they have to write (laughs) where they talk about, you know, discovering who they are and what their strengths are and how to communicate that to a stranger. So it's really setting them up nicely to get that internship or get a full-time position or get, go, get into grad school.
0: Okay, Melissa, I know that this is something for college students, but I would like to take this class.
2: It's so much fun. We have a really great time.
0: Oh my goodness. That's, it really does sound like so much fun. So you also mentioned that you are the local TEDx organizer, TEDx LSU. Is that correct?
2: Yes, I'm on a team. There are three of us that are organizers. And then we have a whole host of, vol- of other volunteers that serve on the committee that plans that event every year. Wow. Unfortunately, we haven't had an event mm-hmm. in a little while, but we're hoping that some iteration of TED can come back because it's just such a vital asset to any community to have to learn from experts and to have conversations about those things.
0: So that is absolutely fascinating. I would love to know how that came to be just sort of the, the, the quick version. How do you get a TEDx in a community?
2: Well, it's much easier now than it was when we decided to bring one to campus. So I work, at the time, I was uh, full-time at LSU working in the communication across the curriculum program, mm-hmm. which is an amazing program that helps LSU students communicate more effectively no matter what their major. And it's kind of that same sentiment of the class that we built but it's a, a year long program. And we wanted to have kind of a culminating event that was all about effective communication and then telling the great stories about what's happening in Baton Rouge or on LSU's campus of the research and the ideas, you know, ideas worth spreading is the, yeah. is the motto. And so we, you have to apply to have one and you have a license and all that. And we started from scratch in 2012 with a license, a couple of speakers, a couple of volunteers, And just some really passionate people that wanted to see this through. And in the next five or six years, we built that event to be over a thousand people, over a hundred volunteers. Our speakers' talks have millions of views. Wow. And yeah, it's it's an incredible day where you realize. I mean, I'm I'm such a such a advocate of Baton Rouge and such a fan, but it's so nice to see wonderful ideas coming out of your own community Mm -hmm. and bubbling up and, and they're the pride that swells out of people during those conversations. It's just
0: a really fun day. Wow. Goodness. So Melissa, you've got your day job. You are a consultant and a coach at Success Labs. Coolest name ever, by the way, for a company, (laughs) Success Labs. So you're building better leaders through your full-time position. You're also building better leaders and communicators through your role as an adjunct professor teaching leadership development at LSU. You're volunteering In the community through as a sustainer for the Junior League of Baton Rouge and through Delta Gamma, both on the local level and the national level. And on top of all of that, (laughs) you are an organizer for just an amazing event opportunity, TEDx here in the Baton Rouge area. And when do you sleep? Um, well, I, I, I'm not very good at that. <laughs> but, se- but seriously, you know, Melissa, you have so many amazing things going on. How exactly do you do all of this? How, how do you manage it all and still show up as your best self across all of these different impactful roles that you have?
2: I don't know that it's necessarily the healthiest way, which is why I listen to your podcast every week, <laughs> trying to figure out some better strategies, but I feel as though my brain and my heart and soul are kind of shaped, and it took me a long time to like realize this and admit it, but I am, I think, an, et- an entrepreneur at heart, mm-hmm. and the other half of my body feels very comfortable in an academic setting mm-hmm. and timeline. And so I have gotten very good at compartmentalizing what I need to do when. And so, I mean, I am someone, because of the work that I do, I work seven days a week. And I know that that may not be the healthiest thing, but that's just how I can get it all done and have the balance. I don't do well when I'm sitting still. Mm -hmm. I don't do well with boredom. If I have a day off from everything, I'll probably paint a room in my house or um, <laughs> build a piece of furniture or something <laughs> silly. Like I can't sit still. So yeah, I just compartmentalize things. And I do have some hacks that I've figured out that I have been able to implement and that they work for me.
0: Oh, okay. You, you're teasing us now. You've got to tell us what oh. the hacks are.
2: Well, so some things... To streamline my day. Okay, this is this is a weird example, but go with me on this. Okay. Okay, everybody during the pandemic became obsessed with the Instagram account, the Go Clean Company. Oh, yeah,
0: absolutely. I have right. a spin mop. Yes. I have S- powdered tide.
2: <laughs> yeah, same. Everything that she does, I'm like, got it. It's on Amazon repeat order. Yes. So her, okay, this is a funny thing, but her cleaning method where she always says go top down, left to right, and, and that's how you clean a room. I use that kind of concept to plan my morning so I can be as efficient as possible in and, and allow myself some quiet time so like right when i get up i because of the last podcast episode i listened to i'm now drinking water first thing when i wake up oh my
0: goodness doesn't it feel so refreshing it's it's lovely but then
2: i want some quiet time and so because i know i want that quiet time in the morning to you know have some meditation or hang out with my dog or get some sunshine i know that the rest of my morning before i hit the door needs to be super efficient mm-hmm. so i use the go Clean method to plan my morning. So for instance, I was realizing that I would get up, take a shower, do the stuff in my room, in my bathroom, then move to the kitchen, which is around, you know, the other end of my house. Okay. And then I would go back to my bathroom to mm-hmm. brush my teeth or to do some you know, whatever. And I was taking too many trips down the hall. Oh, you and were zigging up and like zagging
0: and going back and Zigging and, forth. and zagging.
2: So I used the top down, left, right. And I was like, what can I do to make this one, a point A to point B line? So I store my masks by the back door. I bought a second toothbrush and put it in the half bath that's by the back door. So I don't have to go back to my bathroom to brush my teeth after I eat breakfast. So it's little things like that to make point A to point B one line instead of zigging and zagging back and forth.
0: Okay. Now, now here's what I want to hear from you, because this, this is epic top down, left to right, taking inspiration from something that is definitely not morning routine focused and using that to design a streamlined morning routine. So you've got it in action. Now you figured out your point A to point B, how, what did it, what did it look like for you to figure that out. Did you sit down and write out your morning routine step-by-step? Did you walk yourself through it? How did you arrive at what you're doing now?
2: I think it was just that I was tired of, you know, even when I'm doing my hair in the morning, I was tired of grabbing, like having to search for the products. So like, I just put the products in order Mm -hmm. that I use them or I have them in little caddies where like I pull out this caddy and it's all the stuff I put on my face before I start putting my makeup on. Mm-hmm. And then here's the caddy of the makeup and like putting it in order. So, I, I mean, it, it may save me seconds that I'm not digging for the eyeliner. But I know that the eyeliner is always going to be on this side of that makeup caddy. So I don't have to search for it. it that also helped me. I'm just now realizing this. It also helped me to go. If my makeup routine is, I don't, I'm making this up, but like six steps, like six products, uh-huh. I only need those six products. Yes. I don't need to go buy a seventh and an eighth and a ninth and a 45th product. Mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. I just have
2: those. Yeah. Try to simplify it.
0: <laughs> That's genius. That's genius. And so, also in the process of doing this streamlining and putting everything basically right where you need it in the order that you need it. You're cutting down on massive amounts of decision fatigue because you're you're starting your day with as little thought as possible. But but a lot of thoughtfulness, a lot of intention went into it, which then allows you to move through your morning with so little friction that by the time you you head out the door, you still have so much of that, that mental capacity left to do all of the other things that you have to do.
2: Yes, you're so right. And in fact, one a couple years ago, I made the comment to a colleague that I was worried this is, this is going to sound silly, but hopefully somebody will relate to this. I was worried that I was wearing the same clothes to work uh, over and over. Yes, I used to worry and, about that too. Yes. Yeah, so I pulled out a spreadsheet and tracked it for like six months, mm-hmm. what I wear, including like the accessories and shoes. And I was realizing that I wasn't, that I was actually rotating things at a better pace than right. I thought. And what that caused me to do then is to pick out five outfits on Sunday night and just put them aside in my closet mm-hmm. so I could track them. But now that's like another decision that I don't have to make in the morning. Mm -hmm. I have so many decisions. We all do. Yes. But what are the ones that I can just get rid of? Yes. Another easy way that I make decisions on or cut down on the number of decisions is using apps to outsource stuff that I just don't have time to do. Tell
0: me about the apps. Give me your app roster for outsourcing. I'm so intrigued. Well, the main app that
2: I use is Instacart Mm -hmm. because I um, just don't, I like to grocery shop. I like to meal plan. I like to prep for the week, but I just have realized that I've got, I've got to give up on something Mm -hmm. and like, let me outsource to somebody that's better at it. And so that makes it super easy. That is an order that happens every Sunday and it's just easy.
0: Okay. What else? Yeah. Uh,
2: I also outsourced things that are not normal. Like you it may seem a little bit more clear and apparent to outsource like laundry or grocery shopping or something or like having someone to help clean your house or something like that. Mm-hmm. But another outsourcing thing that I realized was going to be helpful and healthy for me is that I have been working with a dietitian because I have a newly diagnosed autoimmune disease and I was very lost for a long time. And so why not just go hire an expert who mm-hmm. does this for a living? And so I work with her. I've been working with her for about a year. And we use an app to communicate and send each other messages and asking her advice. And that has cut down on decision fatigue for me. It also has helped me feel more confident Mm -hmm. in the decisions I'm making about my health. And it's allowed me, honestly, to save a ton of money, even though I'm spending a lot of money on her, save a ton of money having to go to doctors because I'm no longer... Having to go to the doctor all the time like I was.
0: Wow. See, I think that is such a testament to investing upfront in working with a professional or working with an expert on something because you have basically gotten a fast pass, a shortcut to yes. what exactly you need to be doing. Something that is personalized based on your unique nutrition needs. You're cutting out the time wasted, the frustration, the trial and error. And yes, it is an investment. But think about what you are, are, you know, just not wasting in terms of time and money. That is fantastic. I think that's such an amazing example. Are there any other just go to apps or ways that you outsource or just find time to do all of the things that you do?
2: The other app, it's not an outsourcing app, but the other app that I use uh, on a daily basis, multiple times a day, is the Peloton app. Oh, <laughs> yes, I'm a big Pel. I've been. A- I'm an OG Peloton lover. I bought mine probably four or five years ago, mm-hmm. and that has become a lifesaver for me. To yes, the bike is wonderful, but the thing that I use every night is the meditation app, really? or sometimes in my day as, uh, cause every single day of my life is different than the one before and mm-hmm. it's going to be different tomorrow. So I can't always plan workouts. So there are times where I have 20 minutes before my next meeting and I can go do like, you know, a 10 minute meditation and a 10 minute core class because I've got carpet in my office and I can do that. Yeah. That's awesome.
0: Yeah. <laughs> I love that. Okay. So apps, Having some having a really good roster of apps, being very strategic about outsourcing and asking for help, top down, left to right, all of this is amazing. And these are a lot of examples. Like I've never heard of, of some of these methods before. So that's so fantastic. And I hope that everyone listening is really excited about these too. So what else? Is, is there anything else? Do you have like a planner that you are obsessed with? Or what are the other things that really help you do what you do?
2: Yeah, so I used to be a paper planner. Uh, When I was in college, I was very typical in that, you know, I wanted some beautiful Lily Pulitzer calendar (laughs) or something like that. Uh, I was a big fan of all of those, and I've tried just about every one of them, but I've gotten to the point now where there's no one that fits what I need perfectly. Mm -hmm. So I do use a couple calendar apps on my phone but my favorite thing to do is i have a beautiful it's a it's actually a clear dry erase board in my office Ooh. that is in my eyeline and i just have two columns on on there and it is so easy it's the current projects like so all of my current clients so i don't drop the ball on any of them mm-hmm. and those are high level like it's just the company name that i'm working with and then on the right side of the whiteboard that i'm looking at is my weekly to do. So here's the individual tasks that need to get done this week for me able to move forward on that. And it is such an, I'm such a uh, Enneagram type three <laughs> I'm a type a person. I'm a green structure. Like I love to scratch things off oh, yeah. the to do list. So that's the most um, rewarding part of my day.
0: <laughs> that's that's fantastic. I really feel you with those that that enneagram 3 energy. Uh, for sure. Yes. I really want to point out how smart it is, how strategic it is to have that list of projects. You know, you have it in the form of your current clients' company names, but having that list of projects visible is so key. That's actually Very often, one of the first things that I have one of my new time management clients do is really think through what are all of the current projects that you have in motion? Not all the projects that you want to do at some point, not the project you're working on right now, but what are all of the current projects that are in motion make a list of them, a short form list, just like you have, but with the name of the company or just a word or two that describes the project and put it where you can see it. Because it's so easy when things are tucked away on a spreadsheet or in a notebook or hidden away on legal pad notes for something to fall through the cracks. So when you have current projects in motion, posted visible in your eye line it really keeps you focused on what is what's the most important work that i'm doing right now so that is fantastic i love that you do that
2: i have to keep track of it i just counted that i have 14 different current clients right now that wow. need various things from me yeah. so <laughs> it's fun
0: Wow, so that's actually a great question. How how do you stay on top of all of the different all of the different needs and ways that you serve 14 different clients? That that seems like a lot.
2: Yeah, so every morning right when I get in the office, I'm kind of like, what do I need to do today? What's on this list? What's what's the biggest fire that's happening? and try to attack that. I love to, I love to take your advice that you give often about what are the three things you need to accomplish today. And so I try to do that on a daily basis. I love to look at my calendar on a Sunday night. You, you have been the biggest help in this planning my winning week. So I plan for the week uh, in that way. And then on Friday's I love to check, you know, between three and five when my energy is really falling off the charts mm-hmm. because of a busy week. I love to look at my calendar and say, okay, what are what else do I need to do to wrap up to feel good about stepping away mm-hmm. from this project? Because I know that something else is going to grab my attention on Saturday and Sunday. And then being able to pre like a Sunday, Sunday afternoon, I sometimes will do a little bit of work Mm -hmm. for my job or just check an email or something like that, just so it's an easier transition back into the work week.
0: Oh, I like that. It's just dipping your toe in for a second, just to make Mm -hmm. sure that all the wheels are still on the bus and being able to start fresh on Monday. So we we kind of kicked off this, this conversation talking a little bit about about hacks and some of the the quick fun things that you have implemented in order to make your mornings easier, the apps that you use, but we all know that you can't build a life on hacks. And I know that you agree that with that as well, that there really is sort of a fine line between navigating efficiency and mm-hmm. making sure that you are also being effective So you are, without a doubt, a communication expert. And I know that that's something that you work closely with your clients at Success Lab on. That's something that you cultivate. Clearer communication is something that you cultivate with your students, with the members of Delta Gamma that you volunteer alongside. Let's talk a little bit about efficient communication Versus effective communication.
2: Yes, this is my favorite topic. I could talk about it all day long. <laughs> a little background, very quick side side story is I when I went to LSU as a freshman, I t- I was a biology major because I thought I wanted to go to med school and be just like my dad. And I got into chemistry class my freshman year. And it was a 7.30 a.m. chemistry class. Why no one told me that was a bad idea as a freshman. Yikes. Still never going to get over that one. But it led to some really cool decisions. I needed a GPA booster Mm -hmm. to be very clear. And somebody said, well, if you like healthcare, you want to go into medicine, you should take this health communication class. That it was a comm studies class at LSU. And I thought, "Ah, I don't know about that. But okay, I'll take it. This could be interesting. And it's as if the everything got brighter and more clear and the light bulb went off and I went, (laughs) the angel saying, yes, all of the, all of the fun things. I didn't even know that this field existed because there's so many fields when you get to college that weren't classes in in your high school. But I got into that and I just started taking course after course after course. And it wasn't very long after that, that I changed my major and decided to study communication studies. So it's verbal and nonverbal communication public speaking, rhetoric, things like that. And I loved it so much that I decided to go to grad school for it at the University of Memphis. And so I got my master's and PhD in it. And then that's been the through line. So I've had some different careers different sections of my career that may not fit together, but the through line has always been communication. Mm
0: -hmm.
2: People, how they connect with each other and how they tell stories. And so that is the thing I could talk all day about. So what, what, do you, what would you like
0: to know about communication? <laughs> okay, well, <laughs> tell us everything. Sure. I, I, I guess going back to, you know, it's one thing to have an efficient morning, but you have figured out the best way for yourself to have an, a morning that is both efficient and effective. How can we take that and apply it to the way that we talk with each other? Sure. So
2: we, we have this little motto that we use all the time, that efficient communication does not always equal effective communication. And that's what we're, we're talking about when we're helping people become better managers in their workplace or better leaders in their organizations. And But it boils down to, it doesn't matter if you're talking about public speaking or better interpersonal conversations, it's really important to understand who your audience is, making sure that you're communicating to and for and with them and not what you want to say as the speaker. Humans are instinctively selfish, and we love to talk a lot, and we like to talk about ourselves. Mm -hmm. So that's a really, it could be a pitfall of conversations, is that we tailor it to ourselves instead of the person that we're speaking with. And then there's a really great TED Talk by Celeste Headley. It's one of my favorites. I show it in every class that I teach about how to have better conversations. But she talks a lot about a asking better questions, asking open-ended questions mm-hmm. because if you ask someone did that make you scared is the example she used, people are going to say like yes or no. Mm-hmm. But if you say how did that make you feel? They're going to have to think about it and they're going to give a much more robust answer. Mm-hmm. They're going to give a more thought-provoking answer and it's going to keep the conversation flowing. Mm-hmm. And that's the point with our conversations is that we want to connect with other people. We want to lead them down the path to do a certain action, but We need to get to know them and we need to have open-ended questions that lead to better conversations.
0: Interesting. So it's now got me thinking through the lens of recharge. So I look at recharge not just as rest, but as rest, recreation, and relationships because so many of our relationships, whether it's with a family member, a partner, a friend, spouse, boyfriend, child, uh, Even a client or a coworker, so many of our relationships have the ability to be just life-giving and conversation and communication is also a really big part of that. So for someone who is listening and wants to make sure that they are cultivating a special relationship or cultivating an important relationship through clearer communication, what advice would you have for them?
2: That's a really great question.
0: Yeah, so I would
2: first I would figure out what your communication preferences are. I know for me, when I can get up in front of a thousand people and talk, and I can come and have this conversation with you today, one more than the other is going to recharge my batteries, mm-hmm. right? So talking in front of a thousand people when I have to be on like that, that is going to, I, I can do it and I enjoy it, but it's going to drain me. Mm-hmm having a conversation with you or, you know, one conversation, having dinner with one person and having a deeper conversation is something that actually recharges me a lot faster and it's a better recharge. And so I need to know what kind of relationship and communication I'm going to be having and what actually recharges me versus expends too much energy. And then when you do have that conversation, making sure that you, like I said, ask better questions when you're telling stories. Don't sweat all the details. Uh People don't care the dates and the names and
0: all that. Yeah. So last Wednesday, wait, no, actually, I think it was Thursday. Okay. No, I think it was two Thursdays ago. And then by then you've lost them.
2: (laughs) Correct. Yes. You've lost them. And then the other big, biggest piece of advice that I give, and it's this kind of Kumbaya, like world peace answer, but I'm going to stick with it, especially given the world, the Save the World. Is that I think we need to become more curious about others mm-hmm. and that genuine curiosity about others that you may not want to have a conversation with this person, but going into the conversation, being open minded that they may teach you something. Ooh. You may um, learn something new. They're not there to change your mind. You're just supposed to learn about their perspective of the world.
0: Okay, y'all, so, I know we could all probably use a little more time in our day, right? You're no stranger to busy schedules and intentionally filling them up to the brim because you just have so much to get done. But sometimes it feels like you don't really ever have the time to just slow down and enjoy the simple things. So if we want to become more curious, but we're a little shy, or we're mm-hmm. a little, you know, just not sure of what to say, how, how can we become more curious in a way that is polite?
2: Sure. So I give this advice with my students when they go to the career networking night, and they have to have conversations with a stranger, and they're, I don't know what they're going to ask. I don't know what to say. I'm nervous about talking to somebody that I don't know. Mm-hmm it's okay to have three questions in your back pocket that you can pull out at any given time. Mm -hmm. It's what we do in job interviews. It's what you do as a, as a host of this podcast, you have a couple questions that you know, you're going to always ask, have those to rely on, but don't go into it with expectations that there's an agenda. Mm -hmm. Ask one question, actively listen to what they're saying and ask a follow-up question. And you might not know what that follow-up question is until they get to the end of their answer. And people, always want to connect with other people, even if you're an introvert or you're shy or you're nervous. People want to be valued, heard, understood, loved, have a connection with other people. So sometimes we talk ourselves out of having these important, engaging conversations because we think they might not want to talk to us or we're too nervous to do it. You're just limiting yourself and that other person from having a valuable experience. Mm -hmm. So just jump in.
0: Jump in. Jump in. You know, it's really funny that you say that it's great to have a few questions in your back pocket. I'll never forget it. I was at the ball field when I was probably, I don't know, we'll say 10 because I'm not going to obsess about the details here. (laughs) (laughs) I was at the ball field when I was 10. I ran into several of my friends who I had not seen all summer. And my friend Kate asked, did you have a good summer? And it started a conversation about where we had gone on vacation. And then someone else walked up and i heard kate ask, "did you have a good summer?" and then yet another person she asked, "did you have a good summer?" and i noticed that she was asking everyone we were, you know, 10, the same question and i couldn't help but wonder, did she did she plan that before she showed up to ask everyone that same question in order to give them an opportunity to to talk and to share? because it worked really well. And it's little experiences like that that really stuck with me. Kate, asking everyone the same question, giving everybody the opportunity to share and talk, made everybody feel really good. And that's such a that's something that I now do to open up new conversations, just like you recommended. Think through what are those questions that you could ask, just like Kate at the ball field when we were 10.
2: Yes, I have a friend who will likely listen to this episode, so I'll give her a shout out. But her name is Adrian, and she is one of the most thoughtful and thought-provoking question asker that I've ever met in my entire life. And I'm fascinated by the way her brain works because, so for instance, she sent me a couple months ago a happy birthday text, right? And normally people put, happy birthday, hope you have a great day, filled with all the fun things. Mm-hmm. That's you know, that's a general text. Her text to me on my birthday was, happy birthday, I hope you have an amazing day. What have you learned in the last year that you want to carry forward into the next year?
0: Wow.
2: And she asks questions like that all the time where I'm just like, I love the way your brain works. How does this happen? And how can I emulate it? Mm -hmm. Having those thought-provoking, open-ended questions in your back pocket, that's such a cool, that's such a better
0: conversation that we got to have. Mm -hmm. Mm Yeah. So a lot of times when people think about communication and being a more effective communicator, they think about the talking part Mm -hmm. instead of the listening part. But a few minutes ago, you mentioned how important it is to be an active listener, especially when you are talking with someone who you don't know well, when you are practicing your conversation skills. How exactly can we be better active listeners instead of making it very transactional? Like, I'll ask you a question and then I'm going to zone off while you talk.
2: Yes. So again, because we're humans and we're instinctively just a little selfish we will listen to a person with uh, trying to figure out what we want to say next, mm-hmm. either what we want to ask next or what how we want to insert ourselves in the story that we were just told. Mm-hmm. But the key to active listening is to try to get rid of all the distractions, whether that's your cell phone or the people around you or your preconceived notions or stereotypes that you're bringing to this conversation, all the noise that gets in the way of people connecting, really listen to them. And then it's okay to have a pause after that person stops their sentence Mm -hmm. for you to think of what you want to ask next instead of going like, okay, well they said this at the beginning of their story. And so now I want to ask a question about this, but the middle and the end of their story led the conversation somewhere else. So it feels like you're doubling back Mm -hmm. Instead, just like let them finish and
0: then ask it, wait and ask a follow-up question. Mm-hmm. That I, I think that's great. That's That's so actionable. And, you know, I think that you just explained why I prefer to do podcast interviews without video and why I prefer to do one-on-one coaching sessions over the phone. I have found that if there's video, I tend to get distracted (laughs) with either the picture of the video of me up in the corner, or I I will get distracted by just the video aspect of it. And when you are really focusing in on the words, no video, just the words, I think it helps me be a much better active listener. So I feel like that's been a light bulb moment for me. Thank you. (laughs)
2: Yeah. No, when you said that right before we started recording, I was a little taken aback because I assumed that I could see you because I, I'm i a person that I rely so heavily on nonverbal communication mm-hmm. to guide what I'm going to do. I was like, if I can't see her nodding along, I don't know if she's going to agree with this, what I'm saying. <laughs> but you're right in that I feel like we're having just as good, if not better conversation right now, because I'm having to focus on what you're saying. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. I also find that a lot of times with nonverbal communication, it makes us a little bit more more likely to jump in and interrupt. Um mm-hmm. And again, I don't know why that is. I bet you do because you're a communication expert. <laughs> but we we do start to play off of those verbal cues. And one person may stop before they've had the opportunity to completely get a point across because they see that the other person is is lighting up or that they just had that moment. So that's that's really cool.
2: Yeah, I love nonverbals. They, they say everything.
0: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, and... One of the funny things that I thought of whenever we first kicked off this part of our conversation about efficient conversation versus effective conversation is text messaging
2: mm-hmm.
0: and how much ha- how much can get lost in translation through a, a text message conversation. So much of what we do now is quick, quick, fast go, quick Slack chat, fire off a super fast email, send a couple emojis and a text message. You know, as we're wrapping up our conversation today, I would love to know what advice you have as we are seeking, you know, I don't know if balance is the right word, but as we are seeking the right proportions for ourselves in terms of being effective communicators, but also being efficient and and following you know the flow of life and staying on top of what we need to stay on top of, meeting deadlines, communicating quickly, how can we do that effectively day to day? Yeah,
2: that's, that's, I wish that someone could create a sarcasm font <laughs> for text message and then a lot of my own communication issues would be solved. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, so thinking about the, when you, when you have these, things that happen in a text message where it's not clearly conveyed or an email that you fired off too quickly and didn't give the right explanation for it. I think it all comes down to you can have really efficient communication that is also very short, right? So people can read between the lines or pick up on the sarcasm or understand why you use this emoji, which I'm a big fan of. Yeah. To communicate and bolster the meaning behind the message. But the, the key there to having that efficiency and that quick conversation is knowing the other person. Mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Now that's not foolproof because even when you know someone well, you can still have a miscommunication. But until you know and can feel uh, you, you can feel the emotions or the, the, the secondary meaning behind the words that are coming through in an email, until you know that person well enough, You're going to have to ask for clarification. You're going to have to provide as clear communication as possible. And you're going to have to continuously work on the relationship with that person so you can start to understand what their tendencies are.
0: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Continuously work on the relationship. Know yourself. Get to know the other person as well as you can. Practice that active listening. Ask open-ended questions. And remember that a two-way conversation isn't just about yourself.
2: Correct. Yeah. And the last one that I always like to really drill home is stay genuinely curious about other people. I think our world would be better, more fun, more rewarding, and there may be a little less chaos if we could stay curious about other people. You will always learn something from someone else.
0: Oh my goodness. Stay curious. Stay curious. Melissa, I am absolutely blown away by this conversation, just as I knew that I would be. I am so, so grateful to you for spending your spending time with us this afternoon and sharing your expertise about communication and giving us a peek into how you do all the amazing things that you do. How can we stay in touch with you?
2: Yeah. So I am on Instagram and on LinkedIn And I'm sure that you will be very kind and put those in the show notes. Absolutely. I would love, yeah, if anybody has questions or um, wants some coaching on their communication
0: or just wants to have a
2: conversation, I am very curious to meet you.
0: Oh my goodness. Well, again, Melissa, thank you so, so much. This conversation has been an absolute gift. Thank you. Thank you. It's been an absolute pleasure. All right. Well, I'll talk to you soon. And there you have it. Can you see yourself adding a little up, down, left, right to your morning routine? And do you feel inspired to stay curious after hearing from Melissa? I know I do. You can find links to the productivity tools that Melissa mentioned, as well as links to stay in touch with her and learn more about Success Labs by visiting the show notes at abouttimepodcast.com forward slash 101. And don't forget that you can still grab 50% off of your Hamper membership with the code ABOUTTIME50. And before you go, let me tell you about next week's episode. Next week's episode, episode 102, is all about growth, growing your business, growing in your career, and in particular, one of the hidden secrets to growing without getting burned out. Spoiler alert, we're talking about systems and processes. Join me next week for a conversation with Jess Aiken, owner of Wedding Co. of Williamsburg, to find out how she's grown her business from just one person with a $500 investment to a wildly successful business with a team full of planners. We're talking ups, downs, and why systems always save the day. Thanks again for listening, and I look forward to talking with you soon.